0: and welcome to the Essential Property Podcast with your hosts, Paul Samuda and Amanda Woodward. With 45 years of combined experience in the world of property buying, selling, investing and developing, they are here to share with you their knowledge in the Stoke-on-Trent, Newcastle-Under-Lyme and Crewe property market. Let's get started. Welcome to another episode of the Essential Property Podcast with your host, me, Amanda Woodward. And I'm here with my co-host, Paul Samuda, talking all things property in Stoke, Newcastle, under Lime and Crew. And today we're going to be wrapping up the last couple of months of the year and also talking about plans moving forward into 2023. Now we haven't been around the last couple of episodes and things have been incredibly busy at Essential Property Auctions headquarters. So I'm going to hand over to Paul to tell him to tell you a little bit about what we've been up to and our plans moving forward. Over to you, Paul.
1: Hi, everyone. I so suppose we should apologise a little that we haven't been around. It's been a busy summer and leading up to the end of the year, we personally moved house and sorting out schools and everything that goes with that. But it's it, it's it's been a little bit strange, I think, because the market has obviously been turned upside down because of passings and new prime ministers and then the new prime minister and then the new, new prime minister and interest rate rises. So it kind of felt as if things were at a little bit of a standstill in some ways. And the other thing is that we've had obviously an awful lot of landlords that we work on behalf of wanting to make a whole bunch of changes between buying new property, selling some stuff, renovations. We got wrapped up in a big purchase for ourselves, which just went on and on and on. We were doing the lease option. So we've we certainly been busy for our landlords and for ourselves during that period. But we're back. wanting wanted to get something in for the beginning of the year. I think, as I've said before, 2023 is going to be busy in both good and bad ways. I think the country is going to go through a whole bunch of changes through cost of living and all the other things associated with that. Every cloud has a silver lining. I think there's going to be a bunch of opportunities, but I also think there's going to be a bunch of pain. So as business people, as landlords, as investors, we need to prepare for both eventualities, be ready to take advantage of the opportunities, and also to ensure that we're tough enough and fit enough to withstand any pain coming our way. So Amanda, what are we going to talk about on on, on this episode? I know there's a whole list of things that we wanted to talk about. What, What did we narrow it down to? What were the main thing? What do we want to kick off with?
0: Well, I think we're going to split the episode into two, I guess. So we will be speaking about what's happened the last few months of this year, what we've been working on as a business, how we've been supporting our landlords in the different areas, which hopefully some of our listeners can relate to, whether they're investing in Stoke or investing in a completely different part of the UK. Because I think as a industry. Much of us are experiencing similar things. So hopefully there'll be some takeaways there. And then we'll also look forward to the new year. And we'll talk about, like you said, what what is incoming, you know, what we should be preparing for, because there is a lot of new stuff coming in, but also talk about the sort of opportunities that we see as well. So we could kick off, I guess, with something that maybe our listeners think that's not happening at the moment, but is new acquisitions. So we have been organising the acquisition of a building that's taken months and months and months. And perhaps we'll talk a little bit about that. But also a lot of our landlords and new investors that we're working with are continuing to buy in this market. So perhaps we can share with the listeners why people are continuing to buy when perhaps people think that, you know, now, now might not be a good time or now might be a time to hold off. So you could probably wrap up the experience we've had over the last few months buying our latest our latest development and how we navigated that.
1: Oh. <laughs> I think, I mean, the last development, I look back at the paper work and we started this whole negotiation uh, sort of October, 2020, with the expectation that it was going to be wrapped up in March, 2020, I lose track of time, 22, I think. And that was pushing it back six months. Again, big thing was planning. Planning is always the problem, trying to get planning consent for the things you want to do. They want to cross the T's and dot the I's and rightly so, but also they create issues where there's a huge difference of opinion with us. This was a straightforward conversion, but they wanted us to, for us not to have it as a straightforward conversion. But anyway, you know, experience tells us, right, you work with the planners as best you can. You, it's a little bit of give and take. So we did that and it took a lot longer. And, you know, fortunately we had a very understandable vendor who extended the term, because we'd already exchanged on the property, subject to planning, but we were pushing against the, the long-stop date. And fortunately, the vendor was understandable, and, and, and she extended it by a further, I think, nine months, effectively, which is amazing. But you take away lessons from this in terms of nothing's a walk in a park when it comes to planning. You have to ensure that you've got all your paperwork, you, you, you are familiar with all their requirements and a very simple one, which always comes up is something called amenity. Ask them to define that and they won't. (laughs) You know, I think they make up as they go along, but they're talking about, you know, when someone looks out the window, what do they see? How do they feel? And one of the amazing things that we had experienced, we had to recreate a garden area to the rear of the property and the garden area caused a problem with the neighbours and probably was never going to be as big as a garden area that would deliver the amenity that planners wanted. And then we remember, Amanda, we discussed this. And said, "Well, hang on a second, this property is located around the corner from one of the most beautiful parks in Stoke and probably in the whole of Staffordshire, Queen's Park. So we incorporated that in our updated document. And all of a sudden, the requirement for amenity disappeared. And I'm thinking, who knew? Uh, And apparently there's some planning guidance that says if you are within an eight minute walk from a the park, then that counts as amenity versus having a beautiful back garden. I mean some of this stuff you just can't make up. But you know that worked in our favor. We were thankful for that. So we were bugged down with that, which took, took us right up to the end of August and I think we completed at the end of September. And then we've now had to rejig all of our plans because bill costs have increased. So our initial budget for renovating and converting the property has now completely been blown apart. Our refinance plan has changed because interest rates have gone up. You know, we thought we were going to refinance for four and a half percent in the current market. That's looking like more like seven, seven and a half percent, which you know puts a bit of a hole through your cash flow. So we went through some restructuring, and you know, I don't think we're unique. I think a bunch of other investors and landlords did the same thing. But one of the things, and to answer your question as to people are still inquiring, is that property is, as I continue to repeat to friends, colleagues, landlords, investors, property is a long-term investment. And as landlords, as investors, we should be looking at no less than 10 years. When we look at buying, we're not buying on Monday, selling on Tuesday or refinancing on Tuesday and then renting out on Wednesday. It's just just not like that. Yes, there are some short-term opportunities, but generally, if you go into a deal looking at things in the long term, I think you'll be okay. There'll be some short-term pain, but I think long-term, it'll be fine. What has also happened, which has benefited some of our landlords and a whole bunch of owners around the country, is that rents have gone through the roof. They have gone through the roof. And, of course, they have. You know, people become uncertain, they don't buy, they rent. People are trying to sell their house to to scale up, they stay put, they can't sell their house. All of a sudden, the first-time buyer that was going to buy a flat, going to buy a house, if they hadn't had their mortgage locked down, they are going to be paying 3% more than they thought they were going to be paying. So they said, you know what, let's leave for a couple of years before we buy a house, we'll just continue to save and we'll rent. So that puts pressure on renters. Our government, in its wisdom, has changed some of the tax laws around capital gains tax. So a whole bunch of landlords, I said, you know what? Sorry, let's sell. You know, we've had it for a long time. Let's sell some of our portfolio, some of our properties. So that takes stock out of the market. You know, it takes rental stock out of the market. You take rental stock out of the market, then that puts pressure on rental prices. And around the country, we're seeing jumps of 20, 25% in rentals. And if you take into account that inflation, which is another Evil thing that has happened over the last six months. It's just, you know, gone off like a rocket. You can justify your rental increases in as much as all your costs are going up. So the rental market is very, very strong. There's not enough property to go around. So I think that's one of the main drivers for people still to be acquiring, for investors still to be acquiring. That's what we've experienced. People are negotiating quite aggressively and rightly so, but they're buying for the long term. They're buying for the long term. They're buying as part of their pension, 10, 20 years from now. They're buying if they've got young children to give them a little bit of a nest egg in the future. They're buying because and we've seen a lot of overseas buyers where they are, taxes are so high or property prices are so high that if they buy in the UK where in the pound's weak, they're probably automatically getting a 10, 15, 20% discount compared to last year. So yeah, the market is still has a bunch of buyers in there and you know we're advising and guiding and we've had funny games with a bunch of vendors around buying property. And that's just part of the service that we offer. You know, we guide new buyers, we guide sellers. And we've been busy for the last two or three months doing that, to be fair. And that has prevented us from doing it at the podcast. But we're back now, as I said, so, you know, we're raring to go. The other thing that's happened, and, you know, I tend to waffle on, as you know, is that we've noticed that there's slightly less corporate rental business. And I thought about that and I thought, why would that be? And the reason why that might be is because business has been suffering. It's been suffering from a retail standpoint. It's been suffering because of high interest rates. It's been suffering because they can't get staff. Every venue that I go into, I'm walking around, you know, as if I've lost my shadow looking for someone to help with the department store. I go into restaurants and there's, there's like nobody serving. So businesses aren't expanding and they're probably not making the investments that they originally planned. And as a result, on the rental side, we're not seeing as much corporate business come through Stoke and Crew as we would previously received. But that has been filled in no uncertain terms by, I can only call it a deluge, of people coming to support our social care and health service. We now have a dedicated person on the team, and all she does is look after agency workers coming into Stoke and Crew on behalf of the NHS or care workers coming in from other parts of the country or the parts of the world who are looking to work in nursing homes and, and similar and in a support capacity because the local organizations can't find local people to do the work. We've all probably read about the sort of the great resignation and people just sort of not wanting to work because they said, you know what, let's take that of retirement, or if we had two or three jobs, let's not do that anymore. Let's just stick with one job. And that's, you know, giving opportunities to people from outside of the UK, other parts of the UK, coming to Stoke and Crew. And we've definitely seen that. So that's filled the corporate gap. And we're busy in, in actual fact we don't have enough houses. We're we're actually going to probably I think in the new year we discussed Amanda that when we get inquiries for renters, probably we'll probably advertise it on Facebook Marketplace or somewhere like that for landlords who, who, who want the business because we don't have enough property to fill some of the inquiries that are coming our way. So that's going to be interesting going forward. So a very changeable market, but let me shut up for a minute and let me hand it back to you.
0: Well, I was just going to add one more thing, or well, two things actually. I think my, my takeaway from the first part of that with regards to the market is that, thank goodness that, we are nimble enough. And by, you know, helping and guiding other landlords to be nimble as well, to be able to to pivot. Because if you just keep one strategy, you know, for the last 10 years or whatever that we've been invested, we wouldn't be going anywhere, anywhere quickly. But as the market changes, we just have to be, you know, swift on our feet to to take advantage of that, like your, you know, corporate business out the door, and then agency workers coming in, you know, we just have to, to, to move with the market. But also, the other area that is opening up, and I think will be, to use your word, a deluge of inquiries, is not just staff in the care sector, but also the companies requiring accommodation for supported housing and supported living. So we have tons and tons of staff, you know, care worker staff that are arriving into the UK and need accommodation. But just in this last quarter, I think we agreed four or five long-term contracts to companies that are providing effectively children's home or homes for young adults that need support. And that's an area, you know, market linked that we see growth in as well going into, into next year. And we would like to provide more accommodation to the Companies that we now have, you know, good relationships with, because you have to sift through. I mean, I've had some inquiries from, you know, supported living companies that were set up on Monday and want three houses on Tuesday, which sounds great, but we need to make sure that, you know, on Wednesday, they can actually afford to pay the rent. and that they're not going to be there for the next few years in financial difficulty. So we've got a little bit of a system internally that we can kind of sort through and look for the good quality companies. And we have a couple of companies now that are saying in the new year, you know, they need more houses, and we, we literally don't have any. So we, we would love to obviously speak to landlords who have more properties that we can help secure some long term contracts for. And social care part of the economy is a problem. And hopefully we can do our little bit, our small little bit to help help solve that as much as we can.
1: I think, I think it's a sign of the times, Amanda. I think a lot of things as a country we've been through a lot in the last six years, more recently exacerbated by a jump in inflation and utility bills. But things that happen in other parts of the world also affect us. And, you know, like it or not, people come into this country needing assistance, and we do assist as a country. Those people do have to be housed, and there's, there is a competition for space as, you know, as difficult as it is or as controversial as it is. We do get beat up as landlords for what we consider to be doing the right thing. You know, we're, we're, we're housing people. That's what that's what our job is. That's what our remit is. That's what our raison d'etre is. And sometimes we get vilified for, for for doing that. But I think in terms of our 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 listeners, the market is changing a few bumps along the way, but I think changing positively. There are opportunities in Stoke and Crew. I think there will continue to be opportunities in Stoke and Crew. I think in the last episode, we talked about the squeeze for HMOs in Crew since... Since Article Four, we continue to see that. I mean, literally our occupancy in crew hovers. A bad week for occupancy in crew is 94%. I mean, you know, it's not bad at all, but that's how tight it is. And we we are desperate for more, for more properties. We're not developing anything new in crew, unfortunately. So we're always looking to work with people who are and looking to take advantage of some of the rents that we're we're now we're now seeing. Obviously with that has come some legislation. Obviously there's the carbon monoxide legislation that came in and, you know, surprise, surprise, you couldn't get any carbon monoxide detectors to install. I mean, we've, we use about four different electricians and you know, there's one or two detectors here, one or two detectors there. Because of course, you know, we all should have done this a year ago, but we don't, you know, so I'm not saying we left it the last minute, but you know, we were trying to phase it all in and you know, we just couldn't get carbon monoxide detectors. With the change in government, I think going forward, you're back in switch gears a little bit. We've got, you know, Mr. Gold back in the hot seat. He's a, he's a bit of a a bull in terms of everything's a Chinese shop and he's looking to, to break it and reshape things. So he's levelling up agenda is really going to affect landlords. And I think one of the things that we've discussed and incorporated within our business plan is, How will we react to that? Landlords will be held to account. And obviously the the good suffers from the bad. We had that really, really unfortunate incident with this housing association up in Rochdale or Rotherham, I don't recall which one it was, where unfortunately a young child died because of mould. And that emboldens tenants, and, and rightly so. No tenant should be living in that sort of environment. But what it also does, it gives the government a real aggressive tool to beat landlords up with and to hold them account. And, and, and that's going to be coming going forward with bills around responsible landlords, registers, clawback of rent, a whole bunch of things that the government has in mind. Section 21, making a swift exit, I think, sometime before the end of next year. Nobody knows what's going to replace it. It's still a little bit grey. So from our standpoint, in terms of our advice to to to, to our landlords is that you know any little things that are that you've been holding back on, that you're thinking, oh, "I'll do it next year," I'll do those faces next year. You know, there's a good chance that might come back to bite you. So, so we're we're gonna be up in our inspection game with all the properties that we look after, both for ourselves and for our landlords, and and just ensuring that they're fit and fit for purpose, and they're not falling foul of. HHRS and, and their monitoring of whether it's flouting any health and safety laws. But this is going to be really, really important going forward. Really important. And those, you know, those landlords were managing themselves and not doing things like their right to rent checks. I mean, the other day I was in a um, some training and we were just going through some of the fines that were there for landlords who weren't doing certain things. And one of the things that sort of, I raised my head when I heard it, was, you know, when you have a tenant in in situ, you might have a tenant in situ for two years. How many times in those two years are you supposed to do a right to rent check? You know, so you have to keep your database up to date of when their visa expires and you have to come knocking on the door, you know, two or three months before it expires to make sure that they've reapplied. So you're really, you know, doing an awful lot of work. And I think I think things like that, we're going to have to be all over like a rash, even more so than we already are just to make sure that we're as compliant and on the right side of legislation going forward. We've increased the size of our team, our support team. We're trying to put in some new systems to make that easier and cost effective. And one of the challenges is that, you know, as soon as you increase, as soon as the new legislations, it's more labor, it's more cost. And that's and that's a challenge. You know, we try not to pass on in the cost to our landlords where we can. But I think between inflation, increased labor costs and stuff like that, I mean, everything's going up, everything's going up. So that's some of the things that are are, are coming down the pipeline. And the other thing worth mentioning is, for those that don't know, service accommodation is heavily on the agenda. And the argument, for those who aren't familiar, service accommodation, whilst it brings an additional varied amount of accommodation to a town or a city for visitors, what it does do is crowd out local renters and prevents them from renting properties for people that work and live in the area because landlords typically can get a higher rate for short stays. And they come up with some legislation to empower local councils to tax, to check on the health and safety of these properties, to limit the number of properties in these particular areas. So that's going to be a whole new raft of legislation coming in 2023 2024 I suspect they bought some new stuff in Scotland fairly recently you know quite active in the sa front and want to expand on that front but there's going to be some new legislation so whether we like it or not you know legislation is going to be our our neighbor going forward in a very big way in a very big way
0: I mean just to add to that the role of a property manager or the responsibilities of a self-managing landlord, have been progressively increased, you know, in terms of responsibility. Over the last you know, many, many years, new changes have been coming in. and More responsibility and more responsibility has been added. But in 2022, and then certainly going into next year, it's an incredible increase of responsibility. And I, I would expect that there's a number of self-managing landlords out there that may not even be familiar or certainly don't understand the detail of what's happening, which I think can be quite scary. And we, over the last few months, we, we, we measure, as you know, we try to measure everything in our business and, and, and see what's going on. And over the last few months, our rent collection process, just to look at something really small, is taking longer. There are more tenants who we are having to chase more times. There are more tenants and <laughs> more excuses, which is just a sign of the cost of living crisis. And people... Genuinely, you know, having to change payment dates, or they've lost their job and they've had to get another job and they've had to change their payment date, or they need to, they need a week or so to pay to catch up. And I'm seeing that over the last three months, that's an area we've had to apply even more attention to. Now, our process around rent collection and chasing rents is incredibly tight, and we don't really give our tenants and guests an inch, but we're having to double down on that just a little bit more. We're also finding that the Tenants and guests, if I'm allowed to say, are becoming perhaps just that little bit more demanding. And I don't think, I use the word demanding loosely. I probably should probably think of a different word here. But I
1: think I think that's the right word. I think not to cut in your flow, Amanda, but I think we've increased rents. The rents have gone from 450 to 550, broadly speaking, for an ensuite room over the last year and a half. And tenants have experienced that. They're probably thinking, I'm not getting 30% more service.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, I'm paying 30% more, but I'm not getting 30% more service. So, you know, the reality is the reason why rents have gone up is because the cost of owning property has gone up. The cost of servicing that property has gone up in terms of utilities. You know, we're not doing it because we're profiteering. We're doing it because our costs have gone up, you know, quite substantially but to a tenant sitting there they say they've just seen an extra 100 quid extra 130 quid per month come come out of their bank account and they're saying what am I getting for this extra 130 quid? So there is a, a bit of a mismatch on the, on that and it's unfortunate but that's the state of, that's the state of the market and, and and I think going forward because there is another increase pending for existing tenants, they will become even more demanding and it's up for us as as as, as agents and managers to to look after that. I'll look after them as best we can and make them understand that our costs are in the increase. Well, the challenge is, is if, if their salaries aren't going up, then that's a problem. And, you know, you've heard me say, how how much can you push up rents before people say, look, I can't afford it. I can't afford it. I'm not going. And that's, that's a risk at all times for us when you get to that stage where you've pushed them too far. And they said, I just can't afford it anymore. I need to eat. I just can't afford it. And, you know, they're racking up debts or or they lose their job. And that, and that's a challenge. And, and I said the beauty of HMO is that you spread the risk versus single lets where it is a single risk. But but that's going to be our biggest challenge going forward. And I was going to say, you know, what do we think the biggest threats and the biggest opportunities are for landlords in Stoke and Crewe for 2023? Or what would we say those are, do you think?
0: Well, just to say what you've just said there is, ultimately, we always have to make sure that our tenants and guests are paying, you know, the... If if the rents aren't coming in, then we have one of our largest problems. So affordability in this cost of living crisis is going to be one of our big challenges. I would say the challenge is to, to keep the houses well maintained in the way that we need to to meet legislation, like we have the insulation related improvements that are going to be required in the next couple of years. So how do we pump the money into the houses that we need to to meet legislation and to meet Tenants and guests' expectations, and also control those costs with the landlords, so the landlord still has the property viable and it's still a viable investment for them, and can still, you know, justify keeping them. So we're kind of in the middle a little bit there, trying to keep the tenant happy and to keep the landlord happy and to keep the property viable. So I think legislation related is going to be our to be our biggest threat, and the biggest opportunity being the undersupply. Of the accommodation to ensure that the houses continue to be full or nearly full at you know a good market rent or slightly above market rent.
1: okay and what about opportunities
0: i think the opportunities are i mean i am quite an optimist probably a lot more of you, new sometimes when it's always very pragmatic and i think the opportunities are going to be around buying buildings And we've set out our store for next year in terms of the deals that we want to do and the new acquisitions that we want to make. And I think the opportunities are around that for me.
1: And what would you say to new investors coming to the area and you say buying buildings, what are you thinking?
0: Well, I mean, we haven't bought a house, you know, a, a, a traditional house for a long time. And we've bought buildings of other use and converted them to what we wanted to convert them to. So the current property that we're working on at the moment has been a pub for a while. We're obviously going to be doing some reconfigurations to change to change that use. But whether it be office buildings, whether it be probably retail, unfortunately, and other mixed-use buildings that we would repurpose more than likely to HMO for us, as that's our strategy, or into serviced accommodation. And I think there'll be there'll be lots. And I think we'll be able to pick those that work for us in the areas that we want that we want to buy.
1: I think just going on that same theme. The dilemma for for investors coming to the area is, is, is their time frame. Earlier on I said that we should be looking at a 10-year a time frame. If you get hold of a building which is worth buying, but you don't know what the costs of renovation are going to be over the next six to twelve months if you're converting those to flats or to rooms or essay or or a a guest house, apart hotel, whatever, if you don't know what your costs are going to be, you could budget for £30,000 a room or £40,000 an apartment, only for it to come in at £50,000 an apartment. So what does that mean? So the opportunities is buying buildings because unfortunately some businesses are going to be relocating, closing, and there's going to be empty buildings up for grabs. But the flip side of that is that building costs and logistics linked to the build trade is so all over the shop at the moment. Mm -hmm. You just can't pin down your costs. A lot of builders have gone out of business. A lot of builders just don't have their staff or their cohort of, of of trades working with them because it's just too expensive to carry them and 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 they haven't been able to bid and deliver the goods as they would previously want to. So I, I agree with you. I think there's going to be a bunch of properties up for sale. Really, really have to narrow down in terms of costs going forward for developing that and ensure that we there is a contingency and you know, stretch out the ROI a couple of three years longer than we would do i mean we 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 offer a bit of an advisory survey on that for people who are looking to buy buildings and we go through the numbers and we walk through different options and we're seeing more take up for that already sort of coming towards the end of the year where people are saying you know what do you think i should do Is this roi of x is that high enough will it deliver going forward what do you think the growth is going forward and you know we we, we have to you know, pin our flag to the mast and, and give our point of view based on our experience in the area. So, opportunities, yes, absolutely, in terms of buildings coming available. I think I think portfolios are going to be selling. I think people who are old in this market and don't want to live through another rash of legislation and tax increases are going to say, look, I've made my money. Maybe it's time to sell up. So, I, I think some young blood coming in, buying some portfolio of, you know, half a dozen, 10, 15 properties at a time might be worth doing. Because rents are strong. Yes, if you need to borrow and get mortgages, you know, the cash flow is not going to be great at this moment in time. But, you know, those rents are going to increase every year for the next five or ten years. I, I don't see this government, you know, we might be looking at a Labour government for the next couple of years, bringing rent controls. Rent controls have been proven not to work, but, you know, people will do things whether they work or not. But subject to rent controls, rents will increase every year for the next five years for sure. So whilst it might be small cash flow buying a portfolio in 2023, in 2028 interest rates come down, rents have gone up, you could be on a real winner. So I think portfolio sales could be very very interesting. And from our standpoint, we'll, we we've advised people who are selling portfolios and people are buying portfolios, and you know you know I've certainly been working with people doing that for almost a dozen years now. And Amanda, you do a lot of the underground and inspections and putting the deals together so we've got a lot of experience between us and doing that so I think that's going to be another opportunity as well anything else that we should be highlighting to our landlords in terms of potential opportunities going forward do you think I
0: mean not to, not to be too controversial <laughs> but for those that are thinking of perhaps selling because, you know, interest rates are going up a little bit or cost of utility bills are going up a little bit and, you know, this no longer works for me and I'm thinking of selling. Controversially, I'd say, okay, but to do what? what what's the other alternative out there that you can repurpose that 10,0, £150,000 into that's going to, you know, have an asset that's going to increase in line with inflation broadly, that's going to offer an income that's increasing in line with rents, I'm not sure. I mean, if there is something out there, please let me know. But I think the opportunity here is to ride out this period and hold on to our hats for, you know, good and better things to come. And that's, you know, often always my my stance. And I think that's where the opportunities lie.
1: Well I think I think that's a very, very good point. I think that's a very good point. I think, you know, landlords, every now and again you get a landlord saying, you know, this is a bit crap at the moment. I want to get out. Get out and do what? you know spend the money on lattes or a new motor or a caravan we're gonna spend the money on you know where's return going to be crypto
0: isn't top of the top of the uh to-do list to-do list you know stocks and shares right now a little bit volatile so what are we doing yeah
1: yeah yeah now if you're retiring and you want to go on a cruise and this is part of your retirement fund then different different ballgame you know if, if that's what you'd invested in property for and you're at that age where you said you know what I've made my money let me sell pay a little bit of tax then just you know go and live on a boat for a year and then fine but if it's for other investments then you know i agree with you 100% that you know what's the comparison long term property has never failed and, that, and that's a pretty good history or historical track record to try and beat and one of the things that I get asked is interest rates, you know, what would you do? And we we, we ourselves, we've got a bunch of fixed rate mortgages coming to an end in, in 2023. I had one of our JV partners from overseas, from Norway, ask me the question. You know, they've had great returns over the last five years when they invested. But, you know, we had a 3.35% five-year fixed mortgage, which comes to an end in May. And, you know, that's going to jump to, Six point five. All right. Now they've done the numbers and says, "Bloody hell, that's going to cost us 350 fifty quid a month or four hundred quid a month or something like that." That's like a whole room almost for a, for a small HMO. So, what's the plan, Paul? So I said, "Talk me in two thousand twenty three. <laughs> let's get let's get to 2022. 2022. But this is a really important thing. We have a whole bunch of landlords who are going to be coming out of fixed rates, and they should talk to us and, and let us know. And because no two properties are the same, and see where we can assist in terms of rental increases, caps on utilities and things like that. But most of the landlords are in the same boat, short of them buying a property for cash with no mortgage. If they have a mortgage at some point in the next year or two, you know their fixed rates, are, their good fixed rates are going to come to an end because no landlord does a 10-year fix. I don't even think you can get a 10-year fix for HMOs. So it's either been a two, three or five-year fixed and the good rates are coming to an end in the next six to 18 months. I think rates will peak in 2023. My hope and expectation is that they will dip in 2024. But that 0.1, 0.5% base rate that we've been addicted to over the last 10 years, I think has gone for good. I think a base rate of nearer 3% is the new norm. And prior to slashing base rates on the back of the financial crash, on the back of COVID, all that sort of stuff, Average base rate was five percent, four or five percent. So having a base rate of three, three and a half percent, you know, isn't exactly a disaster. But when you get addicted to cheap finance and zero percent finance, to wake up one morning and realise your your mortgage is going up by five quid a month, then that's a bit of a shock to the system. And the government knows that. The government knows that. So I think landlords should talk to us more in terms of their particular situation what we can advise and as i said we've been doing more advisory business over the last few months i mean you know we do a we do, what do we do a 15 minute free consultation just to give them a, a bit of a, a few ideas but if they want something more in depth we have so a little bit more in depth and package type packages that we can provide them where we can do some coaching and some mentoring with them and do a a, a big old review of their portfolio, if needs be. But generally speaking, you know, a 15, 20 minute conversation gives them a little bit of a steer, and I think that's important going forward. I mean, our our objective continues to be to keep properties full, control the costs within the property, and work with the landlord to make sure they make a profit every month, a decent profit every month. Obviously, we can't control their mortgage payments, but what we can do is is control, as best we can, the, the, the income coming in. And we'll continue to do that as managing agents we're going to do more compliance stuff with them to make sure their is compliant going forward. That's going to be tough in 2023 because it's going to be a lot of work. We've started to staff up a little bit on our side and we need to hire a couple more people to do that. That's going to be a lot of work going forward, but it's got to be done. It's got to be done. That's just the price that we pay of being property investors and landlords. Amanda, what else do we need to touch on?
0: I think at this time of year, I mean, we go into a business planning mode probably come end of November. I mean, Paul B and Paul, as soon as we go into Q4, he's already itching and thinking about Q1 the following year. Now, obviously we have, you know, the end of our 2022 business plan to finalise in the last quarter of the year. But as we do come to the end of November, we start to, you know, think ahead and we use sort of this period between Christmas and New Year, really to finalise what our plans are for the following year. So come January, we're hitting the ground running, and we know exactly what we want to do and what we want to achieve. But when I speak to not just our landlords but just investors generally in the market, that can sometimes be an area that people struggle with a little bit in terms of well, what you know, what should I be planning for for next year, and getting my goals down on paper and really fleshing out you know a business plan. Now, I think last year I put together a bit of a template using some of what we use and and some of what we've learned over the last few years and put together a little bit of a template. So if there is any of our listeners that are really struggling and not quite sure how to sort of goal set and put their business plan together, then just drop me a message and I'll send you over some good questions to ask yourselves and a bit of a template to sketch that out. But I think it would be useful if we, we can either do a bit of a wrap it up now and just talk about it quickly, or we can do another episode, Paul, if you think it's useful in terms of how we plan for next year and maybe perhaps share some of our goals and plans to just get the juices flowing for some of our listeners?
1: Yeah, I think, I think, I think we can do an episode on, on that. We'll try and do another one in about a week's time. So they have two for January. But I think business planning, I've been business planning you know, for as long as I can remember. And it just gives you a bit of a roadmap, a roadmap and a benchmark as to, you know, for you to look at what you've been doing and see whether it's what you had planned to do. So as we do our business plan, we look at 2023, we look at the market, we look at how 2022 went, we say, okay, we want to do a little bit more. Or should we be changing slightly? Or should we be being a little bit more defensive? And then setting some goals and parameters of what that means and quantifying it. And then the most important for me is, is then hitting the ground running. You know, momentum is is very important for our business to, to and sometimes you can't be 100% sure, in terms of how you're going to go about doing things, you'll write some stuff down. But I always say to people, just get started. You know, you know, send that first email, visit that first property if you want to add more properties to the portfolio. So, but I think it makes sense for us to do maybe a separate session on that, incorporate that in the next session. We'll, we'll do another podcast fairly quickly after this and maybe we can incorporate it in that and talk about business planning and then obviously it's keeping yourself accountable, which is the most important thing. I like to keep business plans fairly simple. If you've got a large portfolio then maybe it can't be simple if you've got properties right across the country then maybe it can't be simple but that kiss principle of you know keep it simple stupid is one that i'll live by for as long as i can remember but yeah let's let's do let's do one in the next episode i'd love to
0: Sweetheart. All right. Well, I think we'll leave it there. I think we had a good session and just kind of inform the listeners as to what's been going on and our views on the markets. Next episode, we'll talk about business planning for twenty twenty three. Any questions that our listeners have, we always invite you to just drop us a line. If you want us to discuss a particular topic, then we're very open to that. Or if you're having any problems with your portfolio, or you just have some successes that you want to share, then as always, just reach out. We really like to hear from from those that are that are listening in on the podcast. enjoyed today's episode and if so, please hit subscribe and share with those who you think would enjoy it too. To get in touch with Paul and Amanda directly, please visit their website www.essentialpropertyoptions.co.uk for more information. We look forward to sharing with you on the next episode.